KWVA Sports is broadcasting from the campus of the University of Oregon. That's the show. It's Quack Smack. I like talking talking sports. Quack Smack. What? Quack Smack. Every Monday through Thursday at 6 p.m., the KWVA staff dissects all things Oregon athletics. <laughs> I'm, I'm experiencing life right now. I'm not sure how much more can be said. Now I'm on the show, and I don't know how long I'm going to be here. It's time for your nightly dose of Quack Smack. Now let's head into the KWVA Sports Studios for the show. It is Wednesday, the 29th of November, 2023. Welcome inside the KWVA Studios. We are getting filmed outside. I don't know who is filming Do we us? know for what purposes? It, it must be a they're I'm gonna sure hear us in about five seconds. Let's see the reaction in five, four, three, two, maybe. Maybe they're not listening. Maybe they're not listening. Unfortunately, our uh, our audio should be going going over outside. I can't tell if they can see us or not, but it looks like we're being filmed outside. I I don't know if we are, but uh, either way, welcome inside the KWB. I saw a couple studios. of people doing their gateway projects yeah. today, like in the EMU, just around about you included. I'm no, sure. I was. I did mine yesterday. No, right, because you can't edit yours on uh, on your your laptop. Yeah, my computer. Travis, so I had to do it. I did the whole thing <coughs> yesterday though, so now I'm good. Done with You're that. Done. Class. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Uh, Welcome in. My name is Austin Oda, your Wednesday night host. My last, no, my second to last Wednesday show uh, of 2023, and then we'll see what 2024 has. I think I'm taking Tuesdays next term. Figure out the schedule. Yeah, I'm excited for it. But That's going to be my new day, too, then, I guess. <laughs> join alongside the roommates. Yeah. Uh, first roommate show episode. in KWVA history. No, that's actually so untrue, because yeah. I think Ryan roomed with the last two sports directors i think him and sean room together and then him and night room together for a year uh, so not the first roommate show but the best roommates in eugene john evans yeah, me and beck beck parsons number one number two who's one? Oh, me. up for up for we'll find that out tonight we'll find that out on tonight's episode it'd be better if beck had his mic closer to his mouth yeah you can tilt it up you can move it Look at that. Austin Austin uses the, like, mic, even though it's on, like, a thing, he uses it the entire time, like, it's handheld. Oh, yeah. Like, he moves it around, he holds it, he does his whole thing. It's He's a whole... whispering sweet nothings. No, yeah. I just, I I like I like being mobile. He does, he, it's like a performance aspect for a, <laughs> for a only audio show, which right. is always a great time. Some, uh, some, as we learned in our rocks class, some organisms are benthic, epiphonal, and sessile. I'm not that. I move all around the ocean floor. Allegedly. <laughs> oh, we're getting a phone call. I don't know who is calling in. Someone's calling to complain. Um, we're not going to take that. Hold on. I'm going to, you can see because the lights are flashing green. Which they can see. Which um, actually over you the can't air. see over the air. Um, great start to the show. Uh, Let's talk about some football. I was going to do a little how are we doing today, but we can just talk football. Oh, or we do a how are we doing today. How are we today? I'm pretty Either good. Either of you? I'm pretty good. Great. Getting getting there, getting wrapped up with everything on uh, ahead of finals week. So it's pretty pretty easy cruising from here on out. I got a haircut today. Oh, nice. Go back. It's been a slow day. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. All right. Now we can talk about football. Um, fun fact about the outline for today, if you head to our website, kwva.uorgan.edu slash category slash quack dash smack. Ooh, good plug, good plug. Um, you I'm can, sure they'll remember all that. Right, you can find the website, but on the outline today, uh, I did not make the outline. This was made by YouTube. Mostly, Mostly back, back, I would was, kind of assume. I would say it was entirely me. Yeah, I just <laughs> transcribed it onto the website. But... Uh, you know, yesterday at the meeting, we were like, Beck, Beck hit me up and was like, hey, man, we got to talk a lot of football. And I was like, great. You want to do the outline? Yes, I do. <laughs> Made Take my job. Another thing off of Austin's <laughs> hands. Yeah. Week 13, a fun week of college football last week. Uh, rivalry week for many, including the Ducks. Beck wants to go through how every top, te top 10 team played, and I think that is a dandy, dandy idea. All right. Should Where we, shall we start? Should we start at 10 or should we start at 1? John, 10 or 1? Let's start at one. Yeah. All well, right. no. Let's start it. Let's start at ten because ten was Penn State. That doesn't really matter to anybody. Yep. They smoked Michigan State forty-two to nothing. Uh, they're not doing anything next week. They're waiting for a bowl game. But I hate the Big Ten. 
think that the Titans are so stupid. Just wait till next year. Yeah. No. Uh, it's gonna be real fun. Wait till next week. This week. Michigan State, man. What happened to them? I realize they they're like not good, but well, I thought well, Noah Kim was gonna be a dude this year, and then he just simply was not. They're moving in a new direction, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, they've uh, they had to deal with obviously a coaching change. I don't yeah. think we can say they had to deal with the coaching change. I think they well they uh, made a coaching change. They they I, made a coaching. I, change. I kind of forgot about yeah. the uh, the past. The past. Yeah, the yes, they had to stuff. had to make a coaching change, but yes. Uh, they did make a coaching change, which we'll get into in a bit. Uh, number nine, Mizzou. Missouri, they they're cli- kind of climbing recently. They beat Arkansas 48-14. Uh, also, they're not going to be doing anything next week. They're sitting at ten and two. They'll be waiting for a bowl game as well. Uh, number eight, Alabama, though, with probably God, I hated that the game. most memorable moment <laughs> of this week. Alabama's just dumb. Digger? The that what? The name of the play they called? It was fourth and thirty-one. Alabama threw it uh, up to the back corner. Yeah, and threw it up to the back corner. It's it's the thing my dad's been telling me since I was like four years old. Like if a if a DB just knew how to turn around, like it would make their life so much easier because they would see the ball coming. Do we know who the DB was that let up that touchdown? We don't need the to watch this man. <laughs> Either of you? I do not. It was former Oregon Duck DJ James. No Ooh. way. You remember him? He was I a big do. dude our freshman year, I do and then he. He left, and I was sad. And then Christian Gonzalez and Kyrie Jackson came in. Yeah, basically showed oh, me. The phone hey, light is going. The phone light's been going on. The phone the light wants to talk to us. I did tell Wilder to like text me if he needed anything at uh, Thurston. So I really He's hope calling this on to the show. That would be kind of hilarious, actually. <laughs> um, like on air, trying to figure out like technical difficulties oh. for his Thurston call. Yeah, that would be really funny. <laughs> um, I don't funny think that was not good. funny for like anybody else. <laughs> yeah. But funny for us, and that's all that matters. Yeah, so really. I, uh, sometimes I fly under the assumption that everything on the show is only funny for us, and that's every that's all that really matters. I don't know what our our we listenership big is. Listenership right, base, so. um, Bama, are they good? Like, do we know? Uh, Will we know this week? But I mean, in college football, does winning even make you good? No. Like, we yeah. Ask Griffin Bowes. <laughs> And not Griffin will still tell you they're the best yeah. team in the country. We're gonna actually, we're gonna, I'm gonna open up the Slack and wait for the Griffin message because he usually listens to Quacksmack. Um, Bama is not a top ten team, or sorry, Bama is not a top four team. No, they are not. They're gonna be playing Georgia, though, the number one team in the country. And this I don't week in the SEC this week in the SEC championship. This Bama team is a lot better right now than they were at the beginning of the season when they lost to Texas. They Jill and Miller Milrose playing a lot better. They've had they have the quarterback situation figured out. They're just more complete. They came together along the season just like Oregon did. And like it's it's gonna be more competitive of a game than a lot of people think it will yeah, be. No, I think I agree. this Bama team is still really good. Yeah, I mean it's a week two it's a week two loss. It's one of the best losses probably in the country. In right. The I mean it's that and and Oregon's. Yeah. Um, and Ohio State. We'll see. Yeah, but yeah, they lost to the number two team. That's the best loss. Yeah, I, I I kind of just don't even think of Ohio State as a team right now because they're they're for all for purposes, all purposes eliminated. eliminated. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's move to number seven. Tejas. Texas. We got to see Texas. Arch for the first time. He mm-hmm. looked fine. He was handing that ball off. He was <laughs> and ran it a couple Running. times. Yeah. He went two for five. Um, Texas is really good. I. I I've like really liked Texas just like as an entity the way I like Oregon as an entity for a while. I like the whole like Hookem thing. I think I, I just think Texas is like a cool school. I think yeah. Austin's like a cool place. Um why do you think that? <laughs> I like it when Texas does well. That said, I really really hope they lose this week cuz I think that would yes. make things yeah, a lot that makes for Oregon. Or, or I wrote about it for uh, Duck Territory Shameless earlier play. today. <laughs> Texas is Oregon's most direct competition. They have the most similar resume. They both have. They're both gonna be. If they if they win their conference championships, they would be one loss conference championship conference champions from Power Five conferences. And their each of their losses is two, um, like top top teams in the country. So, or Texas is a little worse to Oklahoma, but they also have the win. Well, and Alabama. I think. Which I is think better than the Oregon win, but I think Oregon getting a chance to avenge their loss is kind of the biggest thing there. Yeah, where Texas did not, and I think that's why a, a one loss Oregon conference champion beats a one loss yeah. Texas conference champion. Especially if we think that Oregon game goes and Oregon right. Oregon's been ahead of Texas in every single CFP ranking so far. And Oregon's year. the better team. Yeah, and like the committee has right. has kind of 
said that Oregon is better, and there's no reason, as long as they both win, that they would change their mind going after this weekend. Do we want to skip the Oregon game and move to five? Skip talking about that. Well, first, we should say Texas. They're going up against uh, Oklahoma State, number 19 in the Big 12. That'll be a fun one. That will be a fun (laughs) one. I mean, Oklahoma State beat beat Oklahoma. (laughs) They also got killed by UCF, got killed by South Alabama. So they're a weird team, but that team makes zero sense. Texas should win, but I mean, and had a great week this last week, but they haven't. Beck, you got to get close to that microphone. Sorry. They haven't looked. Nearly as as dominant as they possibly could. So such a beautiful voice that way. we didn't even get to hear because of how far away. From I that's why I like to carry super it. Super quiet. That's why I like to carry it because yeah. I just like uh, you know I get to move it wherever I want. Now you, now you can't hear me, but now you can. Wow. Yeah. That's um. Good stuff. I feel ashamed. Number five, uh, or I guess four now, Florida State. Man, I really wanted them to lose. Yeah, that game. I was I was locked into that game against Florida. I was so mad. Like watching now I feel like the frustration that all the Florida fans have, like over this team that's just so undisciplined, that targeting call on the final drive for Florida State, like it's it's so tough to watch and I'm glad that's not the football team I have to watch week in and week yeah. out. I just they're just not good. Like yeah. e- I even with and they were, Travis, they were so, I think yeah. they're still so okay. Yeah. Like I think Oregon I think I could make an argument that any of the one-loss teams would beat them pretty easily. I th- yeah, I think that's that's basically common knowledge. Is like that's the case. And I think a good amount of the two-loss teams also like. Yeah, they're and when they played such a weak schedule, and like even in for an ACC schedule, it was a weak ACC schedule because they didn't they didn't play Louisville during the right. regular season. They got Clemson, who's when now Clemson ranked was again. Down. But yeah, but Clemson was bad for a while. They missed NC State. They missed North Carolina. They missed a lot of the yeah. like the the top even in the ACC. That's a weaker conference. They missed those top teams. And did they play Vatech though? They did, and Virginia Tech did cover. <laughs> did they win? No, we lost by like twenty four. And, and that was covering. But they covered. Yeah. Great the line was like, it was like my probably my favorite tweet of all time is. Arizona State, after they lost to, I think, USC, their student radio tweeted, great teams cover. And I'm like, that's really funny, that yeah. self-awareness, like losing by two touchdowns and still saying great yeah, teams Yeah, that's cover. what I was rooting for when I was watching that the Virginia Tech game because they were in it for a little bit. And then, like, Florida State, obviously a better team than Virginia Tech and went 6-6. Six and six. But Next year. I was, next year's our year. Three wins last year, six wins this year, nine wins next year, 12, 12 wins, wins the after year, year after, after that. that. Hokies are on the upswing. Uh, yeah, this Louisville team is gonna or finally get to meet Florida State uh, ACC championship this week. Um, let me try to find the. Uh, it's only a. There's a. Florida State is favored by two and a half. This game could go either way. Do we have any thoughts? I think that? Louisville dominates. Like I just I don't think Louisville. Florida State is good. I don't think Tate Rodemaker is good. Tate Rodemaker looked terrible yeah. against Florida. You know who is um, really good for Florida also, State though? Duck Legend Trey Benson. True. He had a, he had a really good a game. He's a very good player. Sorry. Continue. Louisville didn't look great against Kentucky though, and Kentucky's a middling SEC team. A yeah. middle, yeah. A, they're a, they're a middling SEC team, and Louisville lost to them by a touchdown. They had a chance to make it a close game. They had a chance to tie it late and couldn't pull it off. So they'll definitely it'll definitely be a battle with Florida State, and I think that the line being at two and a half is for a reason. I think because people know that this Florida State team isn't as good as their undefeated record would suggest. Side note, I. I Bleach Report, I've I've almost completely stopped reading because just like compared to The Athletic, The yeah, Athletic is bad. so much better. But I clicked on a draft article just because I like getting like different draft perspectives. And this article had Trey Benson over Bucky Irving. And I just... It's crazy. Shame. It's horrible. Shame. Um, who's next? What do we just do? Four? Washington. Washington. Had to kick a game-winning field goal against Wazoo. And the are they ever going to have like an easy win, like a a, no. a pretty win? Uh, not this hasn't, week. Yeah, that that was exactly what I wanted from Washington last week. I wanted them to look terrible, but then still win, so that when Oregon beats them this week, they'll have an undefeated record, and it makes Oregon look better. But they looked pretty bad all game. Got some some big plays when they needed them from their stars, which is they're such a top-heavy team compared to, especially compared to Oregon. And the big play to Roma Dunze, the little flip around the backside. They, one of their touchdowns, the D- DB literally just tripped on the first yep, like two steps. Yeah, yeah, and then Dunze's wide open for a touchdown. If he doesn't trip, maybe that's a totally different game. So 
and that's a Washington State team that won five games this year in Oregon, beat by double digits. So more than that. Yeah. Side yeah. note: Remember when we thought Wazoo was going to be like really good? Yeah, they started the year off. They're like four and zero. They beat they Oregon Ward. State. Top, they're thirteenth in the country. Yeah. When Cam, Cam Ward, Ward hits the por- when Cam Ward hits the portal, I'll, I'll just say that straight up. Like he is going to be a huge, huge. Hot Cam player. Ward is very he's good. Really good, and he, he carried that team all year and was pretty much the the only reason they're competitive in a lot of games. He's by far their best runner as well which i think is funny because i don't even think he's like a like he's a good like mobile quarterback but i don't think he's like a game-changing running or runner but they have like like that running back room if you look at just the numbers it's like 300 yards 400 yards like three and a half yards of carry yeah. uh they yeah. suck it's a passing team for sure this this uw team it feels like every week i watch them they they play down to the level of their competition they always um they seem to get like one ridiculous turnover that goes their way yeah. every week. Like the Arizona State game, they missed pick missed six penalties. Like the should have been pick yeah. six against Utah before. Yeah, when Stanford should have on the goal line. When Stanford the should have beat them uh, on the whatever the the tight end pass and that Camden Lewis missed miss kick as well. They it's remind so me a lot of of twenty twenty one Oregon, where it's like they're winning games, mm. yeah. but yeah. none of them look good. Yeah, that's a good comp. That's a good comp. And I, I mean, I feel kind of that same way about, about about Florida State, where it's like you're winning games. They're just not pretty. We don't really know what you have. And Trey Benson is the best running back on your roster. Very similar uh, stories. Do we want to talk Georgia, Georgia Tech before Ohio State, Michigan? Sure. Uh, Georgia went and won 31-23 against Georgia Tech. A one-score win against a team like Georgia Tech is not what you want to see nope. if you're a fan of the number one team in the country. Uh they are still obviously undefeated. They've kind of been like that all year. They've yeah. been in more games than they really should have been, but they, they never really falter to any it, any degree. I yeah. I think they even with a loss to Alabama, I still think they're in the playoff at this point. Yeah, you got some hate for that in the uh, I, in the I comments that, of the, yeah. of your Duck Territory post. I I I think I don't hate is this it. From like strangers that. Yeah, they're on a 29-game win streak. They won two straight national championships. They're undefeated this year. You lose a conference championship game, and if it's a close game to Alabama, they don't get in. That's kind of crazy to me. I think they're an automatic lock for the playoff. I think the margin of victory uh, between that Georgia-Alabama game is going to be maybe the most important thing to watch this year or this this week in terms of what decides playoffs. I think the thing about Georgia that worries me is that they, I think more than any other team in the nation – can sleepwalk through three quarters of a game and then turn it to another level in the fourth and yeah. Be fine. And Carson Beck has like he's gotten better every yeah. week. Carson Beck's he's good. week in and week out. Very just he gets so much better. He's he's honestly a really good quarterback. And he's playing to the level that Stetson Bennett was when they won those two championships. Michigan, I was gonna say Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State. That game was fun. That game's fun every year. Yeah. That game Marvin is Harrison always is fun. Always one of my favorite things. The Saturday I'm after Thanksgiving. Wake up at early, get that 9 a.m. big noon kickoff between those two teams, and it's always just a clash. It's so fun. You can hate on Marvin Harrison all you want, but that guy was running 30 yards downfield. Oh, he's so good. Got tackled, had an arm pinned down, and caught the ball li- laying out with one hand on, like, he's not a great throw either. That was a ridiculous catch. He he's is so talented. so ridiculous at the catch point it's insane what i didn't realize uh until like this weekend because as as you know i'm not a huge like football guy i didn't grow up a huge football guy i didn't realize that senior was not as big as him like i thought it was just a family thing senior's like six foot 180 Mm -hmm. junior's like what six four two twenty and yeah marvin harrison senior was a he's a route runner he's all that technical (laughs) stuff the connection with peyton manning and everything but like Marvin Harrison Jr. is just a freak. He's so big. He's yeah. so fast. He's so like like Beck said. He's so good at the catch point. That one hitted catch downfield was. That's something that there's maybe three other college football receivers that do that. Yeah. Troy Franklin. I have uh, a. I think pro comparison wise, um, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. gives me Julio Jones vibes. Not in the physicality aspect. Julio has a lot more mass to work with, but in terms of just making like those ridiculous jump ball. Yeah. Going to the sideline, like layout catch, him and Julio are like right there. Yeah, I was. They can get whatever you want. So I feel about Jawan Jennings. (laughs) I was listening. Todd McShay uh, was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast a week or two ago, and he was talking about the top receivers he's ever graded in the 20 years now. He's been grading like grading players and stuff, and it's Calvin Johnson, Julio, AJ Green, and Jamar Chase. And he said that 
Marvin Harrison is right up there with all those guys. He's he's just an absolute freak. Primate kind of insane. Primate Green, Green was Harrison. so good. That like him in the end zone on Hail Marys was Carson Paul or whoever it was. Uh, it was Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton, yeah, just yeah. The red rifle. Moon balls. Don't do your ginger yards. brother like that. <laughs> he is more ginger than I will ever be. Yeah, yeah. Um, the red rifle. Um, Oregon, Oregon State. Yeah. yeah. Thirty-one-seven. Yeah. Like ducks are really good. I thought it was gonna be. What did, I think the I think the day before I said thirty five twenty one was my prediction. Yeah, and I, I think was, that's like a really fair prediction for that game, and uh, the Ducks are good. Yeah, no, I was just su- like not surprised at how well the defense played, but just like happy to see it. Like I know this defense has been really good all year, but Oregon State's a team that's just been able to run on everybody. I was I was saying to my dad when I was watching that game, I just love the way they run their offense. It's all the under center. They're running inside zone, outside zone. They're faking play action. It it makes things a lot easier for your quarterback. Shout out Mr. Evans. Kelly. Yeah, of course. Shout out to my dad always. <laughs> um, but if I was a coach, that's how I'd run every offense. I'd, I'm, I I love Kyle Shanahan and think that he's a he's a genius for uh, he is. like the way making he uses that Juwan like the, Jennings. the biggest like offensive scheme or whatever in the NFL right now. But the Oregon defense, especially the front seven, which did absolutely so much damage. Oregon had 18 was able to get 18 pressures on DJU compared to only 10 that uh, the Oregon State got on Bo. And Jordan Birch alone had eight of those pressures himself. He was an absolute dog in that game. And then when DJU was facing pressure, he went 6-for-16 with 61 yards and a pick, which is a 20 and which was good for a 23.2 NFL passer rating. Mm. And Bo under pressure was 6-for-8 with 116 yards in the touchdown, which is a 156.3 NFL passer rating. And a perfect grade is a 158.3. So he's he was just about perfect when facing pressure, and DJU completely struggled once he got guys in his face. It's right. pretty good. Biggest number for Brock, pretty good. Yeah. Biggest number for that game is it's got to be the 53 total rushing yards for Oregon State. Uh, Oregon just did not let them perform to their identity, uh, shut them off, completely in other aspects on defense. I think it was probably possibly the best defensive performance of the season uh, yeah, when I we needed agree. it most. Dante Manning had an interception. Um, the defense did struggle with some penalties that have been a fairly consistent issue all year, but um, really an compl- uh, awesome, complete team performance. 480 uh, passing yards – or not passing yards, total yards um, scored in every quarter – just look great. Yeah, the way the defense was able to shut down Damian Martinez, he's been he's just such a strong runner. He's so good, and they were able to hold him down. Oregon State, their longest run of the night was six yards. Is crazy. They didn't That's run insane. for like That's a crazy. ten yard first down the entire time. And as a team, they were two point seven yards per carry, and they averaged two point five five yards per contact after or yards after contact per carry. Meaning, on average, they were getting hit less than a yard after they were, like, passing the line of scrimmage. So, Oregon, their front seven was immediately getting there, immediately making an impact. And that's compared to, uh, for the Ducks, it was 1.38 yards before they saw contact. So, nearly a whole yard and a half difference between those. Dante Manning, huge game. Uh, I didn't realize it was his first career interception. It feels like he has, like, a two- to three-week period every year where he plays, like, an elite cornerback. And I think this is the... This is kind of the time. And the fact that he's to, a depth option right, for is when crazy. Jaleel Florence is out is is. I think people forget that he was he's the top the highest recruited corner in Oregon history. Yeah, like, that's crazy. Um, I, I the main theme of the game for me though was I, it felt it looked the whole time like the Beavers were, uh, not at their hundred percent, not just in terms of the the personnel on the field, but also. Similar to what we ended up kind of realizing was Kenny Dillingham uh, having a foot out the door in last year's Oregon State game. Felt that same way for me this game with Jonathan Smith, where it just looked like it, the offense was a little vanilla. He didn't look like he was as as in tune uh, to the game as he has been all year. Of course, he's gone. Trent Bray in. And to get that news a day after sucks. they lose the last yeah. Civil War is, is so sad for them. Yeah. I, I really feel, for the, I really feel for, the, for the Oregon State fans. Yeah, seeing... I think they're, you know, Oregon and Oregon State, obviously, this this huge rivalry, but I do think, like, just that it's so messed up. Like, it's, and the fact that he has said that he knew he had a, he, he was gone, like, a couple months ago, but then that Damian Martinez came out and was like, I, you know, he told me just last week that he was in for the long run, like, that sucks. It's all, yeah. And Damian Martinez is coming back. Yeah, which is awesome. And, and Aiden Childs is too, which is, which is huge. Like, these are, 
I like that the foundational pieces are staying. I like that the the players um aren't letting that impact them too much. And I think it's a situation where they easily could be impacted a lot. Yeah. Uh, on the Oregon side of that game, one kind of interesting stat that I noticed was that uh, Bucky Irving on 14 carries for only 41 yards, averaging a little less than three per, uh, per carry, had the one receiving touchdown, but was kind of shut down um, on all aspects of offense. Um, how do we think that's going to translate to next week? He'll be fine. I think they just didn't really need to use him that much because because they were getting so much up the middle with Jordan James. Bucky's normally more the outside guy, like the speed aspect, and it was a trenches game, and Jordan James was in the trenches doing really well. Yeah, I think I think Bucky will be fine, especially the Oregon State defense is still really good. Yeah, Masquerade they have a better defense phenomenal. than Washington does. Right, um, and I think Oregon kind of was expecting that. They got Bucky out, like you said. Uh, around the tackles and in the passing game a little bit more. Um, I think it was kind of written in the stars that he was going to have a poor game after his first touch. Uh, he didn't get tackled, and they called him down. That was that, that was, was horrible. That was so, so bad. bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, Oregon, Oregon State. Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um, Tez Johnson had a great game. Good Tez 11, Johnson 11, so 11 good. for 127, averaging 12.5 per catch. He's been, been and over the second half of the year, he's been outproducing Troy Franklin. Like, he's, they've, yeah. it's, it's not even like a Troy's the one, Tez is the two anymore. It's like a legitimate 1A, like 1B, one one and Tez is going to be so good for this team next year, I yeah. think. Troy, meanwhile, did, he still had nine for 128 and a touchdown, averaging 14. Um, such a shame he's not in that Bolitnikoff uh, final three because I think he does statistically have the argument over a guy like uh, Romo Dunze. But Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, Marvin, the, the tape is pretty crazy. Marvin though. just has the – I mean, he has the name. Um, but the, the stats, I mean, Troy's, Troy's are kind of better across the board. Um, yeah, Tez through the first four weeks of the season was averaging just under four catches a game, about 50 yards, three touchdowns, uh, went catchless against Stanford, which – for all, uh, for the sake of, of being honest, I, I don't know if he was available that game. But then since the Washington game, 7 for 71, 6 for 94 and a touchdown, 6 for 51, 12 for 180 and 2, 7 for 126 and 2, 6 for 80 and 1, 11 for 137. Like he's been, yeah, he's been unstoppable. It's really just added a second. It's just the depth that this Oregon team has at receiver is so much better than what they had last year, where it was just Troy Franklin. Right. I and think you could legitimately argue that these are the top two wide receiver seasons in Oregon history. Like, the Dylan Mitchell one will we'll have something to say for it, but, like, 942 and 9 through the regular season is nothing to scoff at. I mean, he could legitimately break those Mitchell numbers, too. We also have uh, – Oregon also has depth at, at tight end with Patrick Herbert and Terrence Ferguson, both of whom have been really potent. Um, Herbert getting out in, like, the slot, getting out in these little screens has been really effective. Yeah which just has to make an offense kind of crash. Down I, I, I love any time we get to see Jackson Powers Johnson oh, running so downfield lead blocking. It's it's always a fun experience. Steven Jones. Yeah. My dad saw Steven Jones on like a slow motion replay, and he was like, oh, my goodness. That's, That's a, a very, big very large human being. Steven Jones is, is – the, the offensive line generally is just pretty special, as is this Oregon team. We're heading to Vegas. Myself and Ryan Milano will be in Vegas on – tomorrow on Thursday uh, and then have the broadcast for you on Friday Oregon and Washington we're going to step aside when we come back we'll, we will talk some yearly awards superlatives on the other side of this break you're listening to Quacksmack KWVA KWVA for over 50 years, Help Heal Veterans has utilized recycled materials to create, manufacture, and distribute art therapy kits that help vets deal with pain management, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and many other challenges. Our kits help veterans find sustainable wellness in their lives. We are proud to help those who served our country. Our mission is to help our veterans. To learn more, go to HealVets.org. That's HealVets.org. Sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. You're listening to KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. If you're looking for some of our best calls, Line drive, left field, see you in the supers! And it's high fives for version five! Our daily schedule, big fly to center field, taking Kindlesberger to the warning track, and it's gone! 
or some of the other fun stuff we've got going on, head to our social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at KWVA Sports. Frightened you missed your favorite moments on Quacksmack? Well, worry no more. Our KWVA website has you covered. All past episodes will be posted to our website along with an outline for what the crew talked about during the show. So head over to kwva.uoregon.edu slash category slash sports slash quack dash smack for more. Hi, this is the voice of former sports director Jordan Brenner. Let's get you back out to the action right here on KWVA. Real vibey coming back to to Quack Smack. Uh, I was just about to say I think that's the I think that's the Levi Burton vibey music. Uh, who has a tendency to leave jackets at my house slash apartment? Uh, it's happened three times already. Which so he can always come back. You're so right. He left <laughs> yeah, one at my house go. in there San Jose back. like twice. Um, and my mom had to send it back to him twice, and then he left my uh, he left his at our Airbnb the other day when he came over. Uh. And now has to come get it for me tonight. So there is a life update no one asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> Beck, I know you wanted to talk a little bit more about Jonathan Smith and the impact that yes. his loss has on the beaver- Beavers. Yes. So take the it away. Jonathan Smith is out, as we know, as the Oregon State head coach. Uh, he was there for six years. They went 34 and 35, but we're obviously climbing. They've uh, He's done a lot of work with like facilities. Uh, Jack Reeser Stadium has obviously been demolished and rebuilt. Um He's now going to go to Michigan State on a seven-year contract that's worth more than $50 million. Um, and Oregon State, in his stead, has promoted their three-year defensive coordinator, Trent Bray, the head coach. Uh, Michigan State uh, had looked really, really great in 2021. They went 11-2, and but they've had two losing seasons since then. Uh, they've now lost Mel Tucker and are pretty much in a rebuild phase. Um, that's really going to be aided by Smith, who's coming in with six of his coaches and an executive. So in terms of the people he's bringing over, he's bringing over Brian Lindgren, who is Oregon State's offensive coordinator and QB coach, has worked with Smith at his entire six-year tenure at Oregon State, uh, and has been a D1 offense coordinator and QB coach since 2009. Uh, he's also bringing over a man named Jim McHalzik, who in the last 20 years has been an offensive line coach for Oregon State, Cal, the Oakland Raiders of the NFL for two years, Cal again, Arizona, and then Oregon State again. He was an assistant head coach with Oregon State and Cal and an offensive coordinator with Cal. So he has a lot of experience. This is a guy that can definitely help in recruiting. He has a lot of reach. Uh, They're bringing over running back coach Keith Bonafa. This is a hard name, last name to pronounce who spent four years as a running back coach and two years as a recruiting coordinator at Boise State before he moved to UW uh, alongside Smith. He then spent seven years as a running back coach at UW and five years as a recruiting coordinator and developed guys like Miles Gaskin and Savion Ahmed, who are both NFL running backs. Um, This guy has a lot of recruiting pull, uh, has experience as an assistant head coach, and can definitely help uh, bringing in new classes at Michigan State. So Michigan State fans can look forward to that. Uh, another UW veteran with uh, Smith is Mike McDonald, the strength coach who's coming over. They're also bringing over Brian Wozniak, the tight end coach. You had to read every single coach they there's took? There's two more. Yes. Okay. They're also bringing over Blue Adams, the defensive back coach, and the chief of staff and director of operations, Dan Vanderite. So a lot of new faces in Michigan State, a lot of faces leaving Oregon State, uh, kind of reminiscent of the change of guard we saw when Cristobal left and uh, Lanning came in. Yeah, that's what happens every time yeah. a coach leaves. How do they we feel about it? Do we bring their guys with them, and then you got to fill in because all of a sudden it's a whole new coaching staff at wherever the previous place was. Yeah. How do we feel about it? Michigan State's going to be good. I, I, I do think there's something to be said, though, about how uh, we saw it with Sam Levitt, the um, – the Westland quarterback question mark from a couple of years ago who goes to Michigan State four star that Jonathan Smith didn't recruit it at Oregon State and he basically he entered the portal the day that Smith announced he was the coach and you know he said there's some kind of home field bias where like if you don't recruit me when you're an hour away why would I trust you all the way here in Michigan and I think 
with the amount of players from Oregon State that are coming out and saying how they feel kind of um, taken aback by the trade. actions of, of Jonathan Smith, I think that'll hurt his recruiting chances yeah. at, at Michigan State. Yeah, the, that kind of outrage was something the fans have been expressing online as well. Yeah, I think initially, but I don't know. I mean, Michigan State's a program that has been in the past really good. Right now they're in kind of like a rut, but they're one of those teams that if you get a good coach in there, you get that recruiting back up. Like I think they could be contending for titles in a couple of years, and I think that Smith is a really good coach, and he's proven that at Oregon State. Yep. 100%. They got the funding. They're in the right conference to definitely have success. Cool. Um, yep. Trent Bray has been the defense coordinator for three years. Um Oregon State really seemed to like that. Hired him pretty much, yeah. pretty much immediately, out of seven candidates, and uh, the players that remain seem really happy with it. So, yeah, hope that hope that works out for him. Tough, tough time for Oregon State, I think generally. Um, but nothing right. we can do yeah. about it now. We do some. Hopefully, Bolitnikov they can win the Pac-2 next year. Yeah. They got a fifty-fifty. Do we know <laughs> what's happening with that? Like, I, I don't I, even know. I, I, I think I the directors have to like convene yeah. and decide. But they do. It sounds like they have a lot of control over their options. Do they have schedules announced or anything? No. 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 Let's play one game. Okay, right. It's the we Pac-2 championship. Yeah, that put would be hilarious. The, put us in the playoffs. Or they play each other 12 times. 12 times, yeah. And then it's like... Well, you, could, you only play each other like nine, eight or nine times or whatever. Yeah. You, get play, like, you still get it like out like of conference. Tulsa. Right, right. Tulsa. Yeah. And then Portland play, State. And then play Washington State eight times. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about some receivers. Blitnikoff finalists announced yesterday. Romo Dunze, Marv, Maserati Marv. Maserati Marv. I had not heard that before Gus Johnson said it like six times during the game. He was pushing it. So what's up with the the Gus Johnson hate? Because people don't like him, right? I love Gus Johnson. I think he's so fun. But I just. Who's who's the one that people don't like? Who's the. I don't know. I want to say he did color for Oregon, Oregon State last year for national TV. Might be a Gus. Is there another Gus? Probably. Cool. Well, I don't know. That's a, there's a lot of announcers people don't like. So just kidding. Uh, never mind. But let's talk about these Austin finalists. Oda. That's the one. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's start with Rome. Let's start Ryan with Romo Dunze. <laughs> wow, just catching strays. He's not even here to defend himself. Uh, let's start with Rome. I just like, I I have I I haven't been as imp- as impressed with him as I feel like a lot of people are when they watch him. Maybe that's duck bias. Um, he's good. He's yep. good. I don't think he is anywhere near the same tier as the top two and i personally don't see him as an elite nfl receiver i think the scheme just benefits Penix and odunze specifically so much in washington that well the scheme is odunze runs a slot fade and they (laughs) like and they right yeah like it's it's not much of a scheme but it works because those guys are really good at what they do yeah like the numbers that stand out to me is the fact that out of those guys who are nominated for uh, Blitnikoff, he has the the most contested catches and the least drops. That's they're throwing that he's got That's his impressive. his A dot is his average depth of target is more than three yards. The next closest guy, so they're just sending him downfield, and he's got fifteen contested catches. He's the only guy out of them above fifty percent on his contested catch opportunities, and he's at sixty eight percent. He's a really good jump ball guy. Yeah. And he's big. He's physical. He doesn't have that like. He's not as fast as the other guys necessarily, but he's a really good wide receiver. And the comparison that Beck made for him was Devonte Adams, and I I can see that because he's he's not like a burner, but he's big body and he's a good route runner and can make catches, make contested catches at the catch point. So yeah, to be running the kind of offense that he runs in, and only have three drops is is pretty ridiculous. He's he's catching balls that are coming a long way. Um, but yeah, statistically, with the stats I've got here from John, uh, he doesn't quite match up with Troy Franklin. Um, so I think there's an argument, um, at least partially some of the stats don't match up, where I think there's an argument to put Troy into that three spot. Agreed. I think the argument would be to put, if you were just looking at numbers, the argument is to put Troy in over Marvin Harrison, but Marvin Harrison is the best player Marvin Harrison out of all of them. Marvin Harrison isn't going to not so, be a yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think all of our top two is going to be Marvin Harrison and uh, Malik Neighbors, but I do have Marvin Harrison at the two. He is working with probably, we can agree, less at the QB situation. Yeah. Uh, and he's obviously also in a really deep um, wide receiver room. But, you know, so is Malik Neighbors. And uh, Harrison, so good. Harrison deals a lot of double coverage, uh, and for that reason his stats are a little limited, but he's 
just so ridiculous to watch. He can break through double coverage. He's going to be a star from day one in the NFL. Yeah, they're. I I I think Marv and and Malik Neighbors are both just fantastic. Like, there's no chance Jaden Daniels is as good as he is without Malik Neighbors. Obviously, there's no chance Kyle McCord is as good as he <laughs> is without Marvin Harrison Jr. But um, yeah, I I'm just upset that Troy Franklin didn't make it. And yeah. I know that makes me sound very Doc Homer-ish, but Troy Franklin is so good. Like, I think if you if he's fourth and he's right on the level of those guys like it's it's so close right yeah but i think again our clear number one is gonna be malik neighbors who has statistically just had a ridiculous season he has 86 catches for 1546 yards 14 touchdowns um stats are really eye-popping and he's just played ridiculous my comparison for him is in and is like an antonio brown He's just so effective. Minus the CTE. Yes, yeah. A wise Hopefully. Antonio Brown. <laughs> he, uh, he just gets open. He's so fluid after the catch. He's agile. He uh, Not a huge body, but he's able to go up still. He just really does it all, and he looks like he's kind of playing about as well as someone with his frame can play. Yeah, he's a, he's a slot guy. He lines up over 50% of the time in the slot, which is different than all those other guys who are around like the 70 to 80, like around like the 80% range on the outside versus – uh, neighbors is lining up 53% of the time in the slot, but he uses that. He gets a ton of yards after catch. He leads all those guys in yards after catch, almost 580 yeah. yards. And uh, and what stands out to me, PFF has him with 30 missed uh, missed tackles forced compared to 13 for Troy Franklin, 11 for Roma Dunze, and five for Marvin Harrison. He's such a threat after the catch. He's super elusive, and he can he can make plays that other receivers can't, and that's what makes him so good. Beautiful, beautiful work from both of you. Anything else we want to talk about about Blitnikoff, or should we move no, to Heisman? No, I think we think we think it should be neighbors. Bo Heisty, Bo, <laughs> Bo Hizzle. That man's the Heisman, and he's got another week to prove it. I think that's a really big, it's huge difference. Honestly, with the way Bo and Daniels are playing, I think it felt like whoever played last was gonna win. Like whoever got that right. last performance in is going to win because yeah especially if a bow has a big game against washington on friday bow has every reason to have even if they somehow lose oregon has every chance to go for like 350 passing yards and five touchdowns yeah yeah absolutely i mean his stats are the raw numbers are all right there with like the passing numbers are all right side by side with uh with Jane Daniels, Daniels on a team with two more losses, who's lower in the rankings and not playing this weekend for a championship. So, but Bo also doesn't have the running threat that that Daniels does, and Bo's <laughs> passing offense is a lot more generated by his receivers and by the the scheme than Daniels. Daniels, right. his a dot is a lot higher, his big time throw for rate is a lot higher. He's he's makes more plays, but he's not as efficient as Bo is. So it's 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 a kind of w- they're both really good candidates. It's just more of which which kind of path do voters value more. So do we think that if if Oregon loses this week, does Jaden Daniels win the Heisman? Yes. Yeah, I think so because I think um, Jaden Daniels' numbers are ridiculous, right. and all I think he's the only one with Heisman numbers. Like, for lack of a better term. I think, I mean, Bo leading the country in passing yards with 3,906. So, obviously, Pops, two interceptions, I'd say, is a Heisman number. Um, compared it's as to many as Mariota had. Yeah. Which is crazy. But um, some Jaden Daniels numbers that really blow up. He has 1,134 rushing yards with 10 touchdowns. He's averaging more than eight yards a carry. I mean, he's running like Bucky Monster. Irving. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's had the two hundred yard games. He's so good on the ground. Also, he has nine games with a QBR of more than ninety, which is really impressive. Yeah. Uh not that's nine out of his last ten games as well. He has eight games in a row of more than ninety on a QBR, which is pretty nuts. Uh Bo has a three game streak. He's got four out of his last five games over ninety QBR and five games on the season of ninety as well. Which is good, and obviously Bo doesn't have a game much further below 90, um, but neither really does Daniels. Something that stands out to me uh, against Daniels is is a kind of weird stat that Daniels, because even though he's such a he's such a rush he's such a good runner, he's a great athlete, obviously, but when he's pressured, 
like on his pressures, he's sacked more than twice as often as Bo Nix is, which is kind of crazy. Like his the pressure to sack conversion rate is to over twenty percent, which is not a good number. So yeah, he's he been, he he puts himself into more danger than he needs to be in. He's been sacked twenty two times. Penix has only been sacked eight times, and Bo's only been sacked five times. So there's a big difference there. That's just so crazy to me. Like I remember Bo. It was the Stanford game last year. I want to say like week seven or week eight that Bo was sacked for the first time. And somehow this year it feels like the offensive line has been done a better job of protecting him. Because they have. They've been insane. Which is just, it's yeah. crazy. Like, it's its unbelievable. Is there any world that Michael Penix Jr. leaps both of them? He needs like seven hundred 500-yard, six-touchdown, 90% completion performance. Like a p- total domination right. if he has any chance. It would be the Heisman. I'm going to be completely, completely honest. He, uh... I compiled the stats, um, again, looked over all of them. I got about 15 passing categories that I've marked up between the three of them. Uh, Michael Penix is not leading out of the three in a single category, passing or rushing. He's second of the two of the three in um, passing yards and yards per completion, Um, but he is just not standing out statistically. His second half of the season has been rough. And the Heisman has shown you can surpass, uh, like, a rough start of the season. You can't surpass a rough end of the season. And it has been a very rough end of the season for Michael Penix Jr. Has not for Bo Nix. We're going to step aside. When we come back, we'll talk championship week and then some college football playoff predictions. Be right back. On the other side of this break, you're listening to Quacksmack. KWVA. KWVA. Want the latest sports talk? These are the type of games you'd expect from Oregon at the beginning of the season. Not high scoring. Uh, they're going to score a couple runs to keep you in it and maybe win the game, but it's going to be pitcher dominated. You want the best sports debates? They may not be undefeated like the Ducks. But if you're going to be close, that's about as close as you can get. Then tune into Quacksmack every weeknight from 6 to 7 p.m. He absolutely needs to be that one player that stands out on this team that when he takes the hill and he gets up there to pitch for the Ducks, the Ducks win. Today's top stories, exciting discussions, and interviews with a variety of local guests. It's all on Quacksmack. And the only place to find it is right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. That's enough break for now. Let's get back to the action here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM. I think you messed with one of my Okay. It's back to workflow, but I think when you were editing the things we we lost a rap music. No. That's so sad. Or a, a back music, but so we're sad. back. Is we're the back. Uh, is the outro still at the end? Did we yeah, I got it, it okay, back great. in there. All right, uh, conference championships this week. Yes. Let's just go game by game. Let's start for the ACC. Louisville, Florida State. The spread is Minus negative two and a half for Florida State. Over under forty eight and a half. Do um, we think? Uh, what do we think? I think Florida State is going to cover and win. I think this game could go a number of directions just because there's kind of two less than super confident teams uh, could be like a 40 to 40 could be like a 20 to 20 game um, I think it'll probably get over that uh, 48 and a half so I would say oh no actually 
I said under 48 and a half. Maybe that's what I think. I think um could go either way, but I think I think Florida State is still a slightly better team. I think they will beat Louisville. And I, I think agree. They do have a playoff Before we continue, this is not official betting advice. We are not. Yeah. We yes. are not. Do not and I will not Parsons. be gambling on any of this. Yes. Great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same vein. I think Florida State is still the better team. Louisville's fine. Uh, it's just kind of a, 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 a bad conference. We're a bad conference least championship. excited for that one. Except for one team. But is that team even – oh, my bad. Yeah, <laughs> Don't disrespect. Don't disrespect Kyron Jones. They he's good, dude. Dude, he's good. And they absolutely they killed UVA, and that was fire. I had so much fun watching that game. Probably one of the best moments in your life. Yeah. yeah I, I tweeted it out. It didn't get any didn't get any traction, really, but that's the 19th time that uh, Virginia Tech has beaten UVA in my lifetime, and I'm 19. So I like that stat. That one's pretty fun. It's to actually me. kind of crazy. I yeah. feel like I've, I've witnessed celebrating at that point. That's just like a yearly occurrence. I know it's they call it a rivalry game, but Virginia Tech is eighteen and one since I was born. So. That's so crazy. Maybe it's the John Evans effect. What yeah. can I say? The Messiah uh, was born. <laughs> uh, where do we want to go? Let's go Big Ten. I think that's kind of the next yes. most interesting because <laughs> might not be, but it, it might be. The over under is like thirty five for this game. Thirty five and a half. I saw the somewhere the ever, and it might go under that the half. The half odds for for Iowa are like, like, like over a half a point for the first half <laughs> and second half for Iowa. Surely they get like a field goal on the first drive and then uh, they do nothing for ten drives. I don't know. I wouldn't say surely. I I have Iowa covering that spread, um, getting it within the negative twenty three and a half that yeah. Michigan are favored. I mean Iowa is like a really really good team still. Their defense is so their defense good. is fantastic. Twenty thirteen so defense. So if Iowa yeah. Twenty three Steelers offense. If Iowa had like a semi competent, like. Offense, they'd be a top ten team in the scary. country. It'd be very scary. Uh, Liam Baker is listening, and he said, "Austin, this is definitely gambling advice." Um, and he says he's gonna take every bet, every pick we give out on the show. All right, All right. listen to me. Uh, no, this is not gambling advice for legal reasons. For legal reasons. Yes. Um, I do think I do think Iowa covers. I think Iowa's a, a really good team. I can't wait until they get an offense. Someday. Someday. An offense besides tight ends, because they always have good tight ends. George. Some O-linemen. Kittle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Big 12. This is number Texas seven, dominates. Texas. Versus yeah, number I don't think this one's going to be that close. State. Yep, over-under is 55.5. Texas are 14.5-point favorites. And I, I still take Texas. I think Oklahoma State could make it close, um, just because they do have that win over Oklahoma, which is Texas's loss. Um, you never really know. I think Oklahoma State will lose. I think Texas gets them, but um, could be closer. I think Oklahoma State could get it within ten points. I would take Texas with the points. I don't think it's going to be that close. Texas is really good right now. They're Texas is a good team. Yeah, a good football team. I mean, that's why they're number seven in the country. Crazy yeah. thought, but good team. Very true. Cool. Uh, let's go to the SEC. Georgia, Bama, spread at negative five and a half. Favoring Georgia, over, over under fifty four and a half. Oh really? I have fifty six and a half, but I did this last. I'm time. looking at the sportsgeek.com updated at twelve thirty seven p.m. EST mm. today. So, what do you even do here? Yeah. Uh, I. This is gonna make all the Griffin bows of the world happy. <laughs> I think Bama wins. Really? I do. I think Bama's really good, and I think they're playing better football right now. Yeah, that was a was a rough three quarters against <laughs> Auburn. Against Auburn, though. Yeah, and it was also Auburn a rough. That's not. It was also a rough three quarters against Georgia Tech. Yep. Like neither of them are flying in, but. And I I think that the Bama Auburn rivalry means something more than Georgia Georgia Tech. Like I think oh, Auburn definitely. is still like. It's more of a I trap game. Right, and I I I think winning by eight against Georgia. But Tech it's is like a miracle for Alabama to win that football game. So. It's a good I point. Know. I think Georgia is Georgia is still the best team in the country. Like they're on that win streak for a reason. Their defense is still really good. They Brock Bowers is back. They just a good team, and I think they'll win this game. I think Bama will make it pretty close, though. I don't think it's going to be a Georgia blowout or anything yep. like that. I have um, I have Bama getting in there and uh, covering, but still losing. I think it would be really cool if we see another like kick six moment or something of the sort. Yeah. There will never be another one of those. No, 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 no. Something of the sort. Yeah, something exciting. 
All right. Pac-12. The question that Beck put is, is Oregon a lock to win? It, like, if we win, if Oregon wins, is Oregon in? Oh, yes. that was the, that was what you meant by the question? Yeah. I think I think Oregon will win. I think if Oregon wins their game, I think they are. Are a they lock. a lock? A hundred percent to get into the playoffs? I think so. I think so. I, I think there's kind of no world. I think I was listening to uh, to Joel Klatt talk I about love it. Joel Klatt. And I forget the exact scenario, but he said there was there was a scenario. Oh yeah, it was with uh, if Alabama wins, does a is this does the two Alabama team wins one? and Texas? So Texas gets in, uh, Michigan gets in, and. Uh, Florida State gets in. I don't think Texas gets in over the Ducks if I they agree. both win. Really? Because because the yeah. committees had Oregon above yeah, I don't Texas think all year, I don't think they changed that all of a sudden in so. the last week. Especially because I think Oregon can win this game like handily and um, really make a statement. Especially because it's an early game. Um, early in terms of yeah, being on Friday. Oh, gotcha. Um, okay. I think Oregon can make a statement, really get out of the gates hot, and. Um, really kind of cement their case. I would hope that Oregon is a lock with a win. I think I would put them in, but we really won't know until we see how it ends on Saturday. I think Oregon's a lock if they win. Yeah, I think the the disaster scenario for Oregon is Alabama winning and potentially two SEC teams getting in because I do think that if Georgia loses, they're still in, and then you'd have Georgia at like a three, Bama at a two, or whatever the seeded seeds are, but I think they would both be in with Michigan and potentially a Florida State because Florida State's a tricky one because if they win, it's hard to not put them in as an undefeated conference champ, even if they don't look as good as they are. Just They're an undefeated Power 5 champ. That's never happened. It would be precedent-setting, but it's also the time for precedent-setting decisions from the committee because it is the last year. Right. So yeah. Interesting. I go back and forth on the whole Georgia or the, the Bama winning thing. Like I, I don't on, know. On what? If Georgia would still make the playoff, I think it depends on. The we've game seen goes. it before. We've right. we've seen yeah. that happen, like with those two teams specifically. So, I'm glad I'm not in the committee. Yeah. So, um. Do we want to talk our f- just our personal favorites to win it all real fast? Before yeah, we get really out of here? quickly. Should we say what our predictions for the final four are? Yeah, I can pull them up in order. Yeah. Mine are Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Florida State. That's exactly what mine are. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, Texas. Really? Yeah, I I think Florida State loses, and even if kind of love it. Yeah, I'd be fine. I don't with know. That. Texas is better than Florida State. They deserve it. I Agreed. Yep. I just think that's what it should be. We'll see how it goes, but. And if you had to rank those four, your pick to win it all. Michigan in order. Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, whoever the four is. I'm, I'm gonna say something a little crazy here. Oregon at one. Oregon. Say it. Drop or, it. I don't. I think Oregon would be ranked about three on mine, but I think they beat Michigan. They beat I think Georgia. this defense can handle JJ McCarthy. Yeah. I think if this defense plays the kind of game it played against Oregon State, where it locks down the run, I think this defense can totally shut down JJ. I think the Oregon offense can can put up points against everybody. I think they've proven that against Michigan's defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I haven't seen both. Michigan's got the best unit in the country. And I don't I, know. I think Michigan's been the best team all year. There's all this shenanigans going on with the coaching stuff, whatever. I think they're the best team. I think they're going to win it all. Yep. But I think if Oregon could pull it off against Michigan, Oregon could definitely pull it off against Georgia. I think anybody that beats Michigan can beat Georgia. And I think Oregon has a le- very legitimate shot at the national championship. Well, it'll be fun. We'll see. Hey, tune in tomorrow night. Uh, it's Saul Gavon. It's Aiden Hess. It's Lee Crane. It's Ben Schoenfield on Quacksmack. Friday, tune in for myself and Ryan Milano on the call. Thanks for listening to Quacksmack tonight. We will see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Quacksmack on KWVA. If you missed any portion of the show or just want to listen again, you can find the full show recordings online at kwvaradio.org. Plus, we're on Twitter at KWVA Sports. Join us again for our next episode tomorrow at 6 p.m. right here on KWVA Eugene 88.1 FM.